welcome back to the PMP, where we're still pondering why is winter orb not a snow permanent. I'm your host, Sharpie, a.k.a. Dustin, and this is my fellow co-host. Uh, Dennis, also known uh, on my screen name as a Fake Footage Strand. My name is Andrew, also known as Miller. My name is Nicole, also known as Dragon Lady. And today we're going to be discussing the top 10 saltiest cards in EDH per EDH rec. But before we get into that, Dennis, what is the best card you're not playing? I believe the best card that people are not playing nowadays is a small little one mana black instant from Revised named Sacrifice. Uh, Sacrifice is a, it costs one black, it's an instant. It used to be an interrupt when those were still around. Uh, it reads, per errata card text, as an additional cost to cast a spell, you sacrifice a creature. You add an amount of black mana equal to the sacrifice creature's mana value. So you can have a lot of explosive black mana just pop out of nowhere if you, someone decides to, let's say, target your big black haymaker, let's say like Grave Titan or a, um, or like a Meteor Golem or stuff like that. If they decide to target your spell with like a, um, your creature with a source of plowshares, you can, uh, in response, use, use this to get, get a bunch of big black mana. It's almost like village rights, except instead of the card advantage direction, you get BBM, big black get mana. Big, big black mana instead. Uh, you can use that to use whatever you want. Um, whether Or you can do it on your turn and just just get more and more big mana, big mana values. And I believe people should be using this more, especially if you run big haymakers, as I mentioned, Grave Titan, Villas, Razaketh, stuff like that. Um, do you run it in your, your mono black chainer deck? I do. Um, it lets me to, and, oh yeah, and I do run Mono Chain um, Dimension Master. It lets me, if I sacrifice a, let's say like a Razaketh or something, I can, or Runescarred Demon, I can sacrifice Runescarred Demon. I'm using Sacrifice a Spell, get seven black mana, I can bring him back um, with Chainer by paying three, three black and, and three life. And I can start some other shenanigans there by just looping um, searching cards with Runescarred Demon. Actually, this card, um... I don't think you have to run it only in big haymaker decks because I think in Alesha this would be pretty good because I, for Alesha I return like Karmic Guide, uh, Palace Jailer, allow four drops, five drops just for the you know I'm attacking Alesha again, sack it, and I have two black to bring something else back, you know. So you can. This is something that's like just an incremental value, of, like worst case scenario. As long as you're not sacking one for a one drop or a two drop, you can you get a dark red out of it. There is um, I don't think they're gonna print this kind of effect again in Magic, at least in Black Lady. I think they're trying to move away from this in Black and put it into Red. Um, what, is, what is the other one that's one Black, but it gives you... Four. It, but no, I think it has a color identity of... I think it's called Burnt Offering. Yes, mm-hmm. Burnt Offering is Black or Red. You can yeah. have any combination of So it has that color identity. Yeah, so I could not... You cannot, as I've learned, if you cannot include that in... <laughs> And mono black decks, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> even though like the original card actually says red, it doesn't actually say the mana pip. It's the errata set has yeah. the, the red mana symbol. I, I could see playing this in um, my Esper dungeon deck if I, you know, blew the dust off that thing. Yeah, sitting <laughs> yeah. in the drawer for a while. Well, it depends on uh, how much. I don't know how. I forgot how much it leans towards black or not. Well, I mean, the thing is, is like you kind of get in these positions where you don't necessarily have a sack outlet. Right, but you have a card that you want to die, or you have a card you want to reanimate with Sephiroth. So yeah, something like fair. Sacrifice has playability there. Yeah, that's why I was thinking yeah. about with Alicia. I mean, like you can just. Especially, like, the big one was Palace Jailer. 
I get that back. Like being able to exile multiple things, recurring monarch again. Yeah. You just the even if you're like wasting two mana moving the mm -hmm. second main phase, you know, getting monarch back, exiling another thing, just seems bonkers. What about you, Nicole? Um, well, I mean, I don't really play that much like I'm not most of my decks aren't that heavy with black. Like most of my decks are, you know, green and white is usually the majority of what I play. But I mean, you get a bunch of black mana. I mean, like in uh, Ur Dragon, for instance, it's just a shit ton of mana. I mean, I don't, like I said, don't play that much black, but there's a lot of colorless that you have to. I mean, cast, I would say so. it has or would have playability in Yidris if it wasn't for the fact it was a one drop. It really sucked playing yeah, eight drop and cascade yeah, into that. Yeah, the cascade in that. I'm like, oh shit, I gotta go <laughs> sack uh, a creature. <laughs> Calling the week is the thing that I we can compare this to most. This the most, um, in addition to Burnt Offering, where that offers us four black. It's the same exact thing as Sacrifice, except... Um, I think it's one of the black. No, yeah. it's just, it's just uh, one black on to cast it, and then you just add four flat black mana instead, and <laughs> That one is overall a little more versatile because you can offer a small dude, a small creature, you know, instead. But yeah. yeah. Anyways, that's I believe people should be playing this card. It's a it's like a spicy surprise for people who think that your dark ritual is the only thing that you got going for you or something like that. Yeah. So our main topic of discussion today are gonna be the top just the top 10 saltiest cards. Um, I believe EDH Rec has them listed as the top 100. Um, we may make some honorable mentions uh, further down the list, but we don't want an episode that's six hours long, so we're just going to be discussing uh, the top 10 today. So I guess if you guys are ready, we can just get right into it. Yeah, let's yeah. go for it. Let's go for it. So EDH Rec based their salt, their salt score on a voting system on a scale of zero to four. So zero being non-salty and four being the saltiest. So as of 2021, the number one salt card on the list is Stasis. Stasis is an, a blue enchantment for one blue and a colorless. It says players do not untap during their untap phase and you must pay one blue during your upkeep or Stasis is destroyed. I think this card deserves to be up here. I don't know how many times that someone's played this and then like followed it up with like a uh, Seedborn Muse. Yeah. Just, you can't really outcome, you can't beat that. It doesn't work with Seedborn Muse. Doesn't it? They skip their untap step. It says like do not untap during their next untap. They step. skip their untap phase? Yeah. Oh, that's what it is. It's a rat at that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Also, um, something to note that it's not destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> it's not destroyed. It's sacrifice, which if it's destroyed, mm -hmm. you could make it indestructible somehow. And Yeah. So. I think you see the most play with this in um, Derevi decks, yeah. where you can um, attack in and untap. It works really great with things that have Vigilance. Um, I don't think... I think... Dennis, I think you're the only person I've ever played against at Stasis. Didn't you run this in Brago? I did run this in Brago. Once Brago. upon a time, I played Brago stacks. When I was trying to learn how to play or get back into EDH and I saw a list of it and I was like, oh, cool. I do love me some Azorius. So I picked it and I saw Stasis as a handy dandy funky card with a funky art. <laughs> it does have a funky art. Um, it looks like a jackal playing volleyball with an artist, a painter. 
on a seesaw. On a seesaw. It's like on a. It's very abstract. At night. <laughs> I, I I think the card has a cool art. I, I I miss this kind of art in like magic. What honestly. I'm confused about is the jackal or kangaroo or whatever it is. Where's its foot? Like the anatomy on that is so wrong. It's so messed up. I think you don't worry about it. But the card is very mean. Of it tends to just make people just. I don't know, sit out and well, do what you sometimes dread in EDH where they just like stop paying attention to the game and start just looking at their phone and just watching YouTube or something. Uh, yeah, it's not a fun card. I mean, I think for a lot of decks, um, it's in 4,048 4, decks. So that's quite a lot. Um, I wonder what some of the top commanders are. 4,048 players aren't having fun right now. <laughs> yeah, well, no, just 4,048 decks are just sitting in a drawer at home. Play yeah <laughs> basically yeah i tried this in my my shoe lane deck mm -hmm. i ran nature's wheel to get past it um i, I never drew it before i took it out of my deck <laughs> uh let's see the top commanders with the stations. newest commander is tameshi reality architect interesting i don't know if tameshi works very well with this but maybe it does. well I mean, you can return a land time. and then you oh you bring it back into yeah oh yeah, that, oh, that, that is gross. that's yeah. deadly. Yeah, uh, turn a land, bring it back, play the land. <laughs> outside of that, most of your commanders are ones that have um, an ability to untap, so that you can pay for it, like Teferi, Temporal Archmage, Jerevi, Imperial Tactician, uh, Yorn, God of Winter. I mean, he just untaps all your snow basics, and then you got your Brago and your Grand Arbiters and stuff like that. Um, Traditional dick cards. Yeah. <laughs> if you're Nicole. Yep. <laughs> I can definitely see why this would be in the top five. Uh, I don't know that I would say number one. I don't know how you guys feel about that. I, I guess it just is due to not experiencing it enough. I think I'm okay with it as number one because, I mean, like, like you guys said, it just slows the game down so much and usually if they're playing this card they're playing the other stacked pieces which basically makes it almost impossible for your opponents to do really anything i think i think a big thing in it is it's a boogeyman of the format i mean like kalia for example used to be one i mean anytime someone sat down with kalia deck you were always leery of that player because of what kalia used to stand for stacy is uh, kind of the same thing i mean i think it'll always be in the top five, even if people haven't played against it, just because they know what it does. I think Stasis, uh, I guess we should, once we get down to more of the salty cards, but if you compare Stasis to, let's say, like Winter Orb and Static Orb, because they do have similar effects, uh, Stasis flat out usually stops people, like, entirely. With Winter Orb, people have some minuscule, people have, they're able to untap their mana dorks, their, their, um, their, their mana rocks, Static orbs the opposite. They're allowed to at least. Oh no, that just says two permanents. Well, the <laughs> thing with stasis is, you know, you always say the best removal is player removal. If you get stuck behind something that's shutting your deck down, you just attack that person until they're dead. Even if it's you and two of your opponents attacking the one player, you'll eventually get there. But stasis kind of shuts that down. I mean, yeah, you all get one attack in, and then that that's really it. Yeah, you just sit there until the stasis player runs out of blue or yeah. shows you how they win. Oh yeah, you don't get the yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people that I've, because uh, I played Stasis and Brago too, and then I played against. I forgot people. you had a Brago deck. Yeah, yeah. it's very oh, early on. Me too. <laughs> yeah, um, 
That was Am I the only one who didn't thing. fall for that? <laughs> hey, I like the Yeah, you're the only <laughs> person that didn't have a rubber deck. I literally, stuff, not those I yeah. literally do, I, like, the closest thing, the blue white I have is Dromar, and he's not even finished, and it's not going to be that good of a deck. Are you going to run Stasis in it? Fuck no. I'm not going to run Stasis in it. It's Super Friends. Yeah, it's like, well, cool. that seems like a good, I mean, there you go. You got Teferi. Once you, uh, <laughs> Parody. I need lands too. Dromar's a fat boy. <laughs> most people just scoop. Like yeah. Stasis is just like, hey, I can. I'm gonna show you guys how I can add, always generate a blue. Um, and you know, like just break parity. Once I, I've seen so many people can see just like, you know, I have a talisman and Braga. Yeah. Knocks like a talisman every turn. Yeah. Forth, and I'm gonna kill you with this two four. Yeah. I mean, I would scoop turns. that. I'm not really yeah, the top two good. scoop, but yeah. Yeah. You can present the, the, the loop, in a sense, yeah. of that. I'm like, yeah. There's no need to sit here for another three hours. Yeah. Then there's players that are like, no, play it out. Play it out. You and I have both that's experienced that, that Andrew. Play it out. All right. So, I guess we move on to the next one. Give that one to you, Dennis. The next one on EDH Rec uh, is Winter Orb, unsurprisingly, is a two-mana Colorless Artifact. As long as Winter Orb is untapped, players can't untap more than one land during their untapped steps. Note that this was made during a time in Magic where the rules said you could just un- you can tap an untapped artifact because you could. Huh. So uh, that's why cards like this have some card older um, artifacts have this ability. You can turn off an artifact by untap by tapping it. And that seems way more one sided than even now. Yeah, it is incredibly one. It was I didn't play it back then, so if anyone. Back then, play. Oh, Correct me if I'm wrong, but you could tap on type artifacts and do that as you want. I think Time Vault was a thing like that. Um, Trinosphere. I think, yeah, I guess, oddly enough, Trinosphere would. Doesn't like, Howling Mind have that? that Howling Mind has it too. Howling I played against a guy one time that man. he cast Howling Mind and. Tapped it for no reason. Yeah, he tapped it, and I was like, you can't do that. And he was like, you you know, yeah, you can. And I was like, no. They changed the rules yeah. since then, but he wasn't fully wrong. Yeah. So, Winter Orb is a funny card. Um, it's very salt-inducing, but the funniest thing about it is it's actually pretty easy to work around in EDH. Um, you just got to rely on more than just lands for mana. I mean, mana mana dorks, mana rocks. Um, if you have an enchantment that produces mana, it's another great way. Um, I think the main thing about Winter Orb is if you're like a newer player who or someone who just doesn't have as much money, I mean, like... A lot of mana rocks are a decent amount of money to invest in. And so lands, of course, if you're a beginner player and you basically just have, you know, my land comes and tap those type of lands, tap lands and basic lands, and you don't have as many mana rocks, like I could see where this would like really, really piss off some people. Yeah. Um, I know a lot of people think that like things like Farseek and Cultivate, Kodama's Reach, um, all that is sufficient ramp but um i mean if you're running up against winter orbit it's really not like you need to get mana dorks or mana rocks um i I mean outside of that it doesn't really do much because if if you're running those things you're you're breaking parity with whoever um whoever's running winter orb um i think maybe it's just because like I come, well, like, we all three played, well, we all four did, right? We played CDH, and, like, to me, this wasn't, this isn't really a salty card to me, so maybe this is, just like, a, like, the average player, because, like, to me, I, uh, CDH 6 I played was just, like, the, 
well, like you said, Manning Rocks had access to them, but cheap, efficient. Like I could do, I could win the game with two mana kind of thing. I think like for me, like I just have a bad experience with Winnower mainly because my, yeah, I, I play Kalia, but Kalia, a lot of times, because usually the one who's playing Winter Orb is Dustin, he will kill Kalia as soon as she hits the board or counter, and she gets more expensive, more expensive. Winter Orb says, I can't untap my lands. And then at that point, yeah, Kalia gets her own stacks, but that's if she hits the board. And half the time she don't. So. I mean, yeah, you got a point, but that's just not trying to like blow smoke up my own butt, but that's just. Just playing the card correctly, like yeah, I get that, but that's I think that's like one of those things is like Winter Orb is pretty salt inducing to the point like if people know how to like what they're supposed to counter and stuff like that, then it's just basically you're stuck. Like, yeah, unless I, you get rid of it, and by the time you get rid of it, most likely it's an artifact playing deck. Unless you exile it, it's probably gonna come back. <laughs> I think Winter Orb is really salt-inducing to, like, extremely casual players and or new players that, you know, that they may not even be running, you know, like Kodama's Reach and Farseek and all that stuff. And they're just playing one land a turn, tapping out for some big dude. And then, you know, it's turn four and you drop a Winter Orb and everybody's tapped out. Kind of, kind of... One of the, the notable things, actually, I noticed with a lot of this top ten was just a lot of the saltier cards are the ones that... They're, they're resource denial. Yeah, resource denial, and like you don't immediately think of like, you know, for for me as a newer, when I started playing, I was like creature move. I gotta kill creatures. Yeah. So I was gonna say, oh Corey, you put me on this card when I left you. Um, yeah. Same thing. It's a two white white legendary creature spirit lands on untapping your untap set. You can untap one of me instead. Um, that card's I don't even think on the top one. Uh, actually, Hikori uh, yeah. for Winter Orb is actually one of the top commanders that they played yeah yeah it's like yeah it's not nearly as high as winter but you can deal with it easier so i just think like newer players don't really run the interaction that a more experienced player would know to put in their decks yeah and that's fair and i mean even if they you know have one or two removal spells for it Mm -hmm. they may waste it on something else yeah Um, how many times have nature's claimed that's all right. To be spiteful. Yeah. <laughs> Oddly enough, there is another card on this list. Um, that's I think number fifty-seven. That I think would probably be number one or number two, but I think it's so far down because people just have no play experience against it. It's. I mean, it's a pretty. It's, if it's the one I'm thinking about, that's a pretty pricey I mean, card. Uh, yes, <laughs> it's also only in four hundred ninety-four decks. Yeah. Um, Oh my best card you're not playing. <laughs> best card you're not playing. Uh, well, it's only $55, so... Um, but I have experience with Winter Orb and the other card, which is Mana Vortex. And from my experience, people get pretty salty with Winter Orb, but they get ready to flip the table with Mana Vortex. Um, Mana Vortex is an enchantment for two blue and a colorless. It says... Each player who controls... A land land sacrifices one land during his or her upkeep. If at any time there are no lands in play, Mana Vortex is destroyed. If you do not sacrifice a land when Mana Vortex is cast, Mana Vortex is countered. So basically the um the erotic text for that is just basically at the beginning of each player's upkeep, um 
that player sacrifices a land. And then when there are no lands in play for every player, not just for a single player, for every player, you actually sacrifice Mana Vortex. Um, like I said, like, I have really pissed some people off with this card, um, almost to the point where like they're scooping and throwing the cards around. And, and I think it's because people um, kind of put themselves in the, in the trap of just not playing any card in any lands in hopes that uh, it'll get sacrificed. But the thing is, is like if the owner of the card is making land drops every turn, it's just going to be that much longer. So you might as well make a land drop yourself. I mean, I personally exiled that card. I yeah. oppositioned Agent you went and got it and put it in exile yeah. so it wouldn't get cast. <laughs> I don't know. No, I like the art. It's a very nice art. Yeah. I miss this kind of art style. <laughs> it is a very powerful card, and I think it overshadows Winter Orb, but it doesn't see enough play to be higher on the list. It's also... It's an old card. It, it's an old card, and it's got a blue color identity where Winter Orb is, is just colorless. Yeah. But it is definitely way more powerful than <laughs> keeping colorless lands Colorless artifacts down. are probably the strongest cards in Skyblade, so because they can be played in any deck, basically, yeah. so... Yeah, I definitely see why it's, um, I would say see in the top 10, um, I don't, to me, Winter Orb doesn't deserve the number two spot, but that's just because, in my opinion, there's an easy fix for it. I mean, you just, you got to play more than just um, land fetches. Uh, that's the thing. Idiot, uh, most players, when they first start, they think maybe if you play Mana Dorks, they'll eventually die. And if you play Mana Rocks, they might eventually die too, just on wipe, but... Usually, people have shy away from mass land destruction and and uh, EDH. <laughs> Not so, according to this list, they haven't. Well, this li- well, we'll get to the let's, let's other just salty bring, cards. Let's bring but, Bell Marcus a little closer to the microphone. You guys can't see it, but <laughs> and there you go, one winner orb in that deck. Hit him from both ends. Yeah, she doesn't want to cast Bell Marcus. <laughs> <laughs> I will never cast him again. If he gets I do think uh, winner orb. Um, I think it's. I think I think it's an interesting stacks winter orb and the like and well and the like. I think it's an interesting angle to play from. Um, it's not. It seems to me like to me like an angle that most players don't seem to like to play against. But I feel like it's it shouldn't invalidate people who do like the play style because it's certainly a different way to play Magic, mm-hmm. which is stacks. Yeah. If I didn't say that. Uh, moving on to the next one, we have a three mana static orb. Uh, artifacts. Three mana artifacts, Static Orb. Uh, if if Static Orb is untapped, players uh, can't untap more than two permanents during their untapped steps. Once again, the uh, untapped thing. Yeah, again, again with the untapped thing like Winter Orb. Uh, yep. However, I don't... I think this card is probably worse than Winter Orb. Um, personally, at least. Just because, you know, you're untapping two compared to one. However, you know, it's permanence and not just lands. Oh, so you mean more salt-inducing? Than yeah, more salt-inducing. Okay. Yeah, it, it's... I've played against this card. I've played with the card. Uh, and every I, single time... I think people play this card badly most of the time. Like, I'd, I'd, So when it comes to Winter or really the only time I see someone play that badly is they play it too soon. Mm-hmm. Um, which, by the way, if you're playing Winter or wait for all your opponents to tap out. Don't drop it on turn two. It doesn't do anything. Um, Guilty. <laughs> yeah, you and several other people. Um, but Static Orb, uh, I see people play even when they, they hate Winter Orb. And they'll just sit there and lock the, the table down and not be able to break parity. And it's just like, pass, go, pass, go. We're just sitting here staring at each other until 
we've played five or six lands and we can actually tap out and cast something big. Yeah, even even like with Static Orb or Winter Orb, you just the the person who played it can't get rid of it. At least with Stasis, you can might be able to like politic your way like, hey man, just get rid of Stasis. You know, yeah. Like, like like let us play the game. Yeah. You can probably shame them into letting like, yeah. sacrificing it. But this, it's like, I'm sorry, I can't get rid of this. I'm sorry, I can't do anything about it. You it's guys... also harder to, to break parity. Like, yeah. uh, Winter Orb, you know, you run Mana Dorks, you run Mana Rocks, and you're fine. Yeah. It doesn't work with Static Orb. It's it's two permanents, period. The, yeah, the only way with you know, Static Orb to break parity is you're running Ursa. There's, there's probably other ways, too. But... There are other ways. You can, I know people, off the top of my head, you can run it in Rogue Star. Yeah. Um, Rogue Star has Vigilance. Shashar. I don't run. No, you don't run that. Yeah, sure. No, with like uh, you know. Yeah, when no. you combo. When you look at the top no. commanders for this card, it's basically the same commanders that you would run Winter Orb or yeah. Stasis in for the most part. Besides, like Duretti and Heliod, because they can break parity. An interesting one on the list, though, that I never really thought of is Belby Corrupted Observer. You kind of break parity on that because you get the 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 colorless mana at the. Post combat main phase. Oh, Galazeth. I was about to say Galazeth is a good one. Yeah, yeah, you can tap you can it tap for mana. Yeah, it's it's the same thing. You don't have to cast something with no. Galazeth, do you? No, no. no. You just tap it for mana. Something that I think is kind of weird that um, comparing the two lists of top commanders is Winter Orb has Causal like Butcher of Truth, but Static Orb doesn't. That's interesting. Maybe, uh, maybe because Static Orb like. Static Orb, because you got to think if you're running a colorless Eldrazi, you're probably running a lot of your colorless mana rocks. Mm -hmm. So it makes sense with Winter Orb and not Static Orb. That's that's cool. Never thought of that. I've never played a mono colorless commander. Uh, I had a Hope of Gear for deck one time. It was bad. It was bad. I can tell. The card's bad. I feel like Cosalite 1.0. Not as a commander, but the card's good. Cosalite (laughs) 1.0 or 2.0 is probably the best ones. Right. I don't know. The, the, the salt score of like 2.76 just kind of seems weak as heck. You know, the card definitely deserves to be higher on the list. Well, it is number yeah. three. Yeah, I know. I think it should be number two. Mm, that's fair. Personally. I mean, even against like, Stasis. I don't know. I'm a very politicky player, so Stasis isn't really that big of a deal. Something I'm noticing um, with the, at least the top ten of the list is um, there's not a lot of diversity in the top ten. There's not. Like, there's a, a lot of them are doing the same thing. Which, which denial. Yeah. I think is. Wizards, if you're if you're listening, huh. I mean, stop printing. Well, it's more like EDH rec. Like, hey, maybe we need a different way of scoring these things. Uh, yeah, rec- maybe there should be a top ten purse type, type yeah. resource denial. Uh, would land destruction types. be considered for resource that, denial? Yeah, I mean, resource denial. Yeah, so maybe those type of cards, like top ten saltiest commanders, and top. Maybe 10 you just lump them together. And... Like, I mean, put static orb, winter orb, and stasis all in the same spot. <laughs> they they're just they're they just all do the same thing. MVP yeah, <laughs> section like constantly hanging in MVP. <laughs> yeah, it's, I think um, it, it's a little telling. It's a general EDA population of what people generally don't like playing. You know, like the everyone's favorite, worst, or least favorite taste bud, yeah. per se. All right, so our next card on the top ten saltiest is number four, Vorinclex, Voice of Hunger. It costs two green and six colorless. Got trample. Whenever you tap a land for mana, add one mana to your mana pool of any type that land produced. Whenever an opponent taps a land for mana, the land doesn't untap during its controller's next untap step. Surprisingly enough, 
more seven six. No more. Uh, you like. can't you you can't untap your stuff during your untap step thing. Which um, uh, what do you guys think about Boring, Mr. Boringplex? Card's absurd. I hate this card. Absolutely <laughs> can't stand this card whatsoever. Really? Yes. Really? I, more so than the other the top. Yes. Three. Uh, well, no, not more than the others. At least the top three. But I definitely. I feel like Vorinclex. Like I get it. No one wants. They want to be able to uh, untap. You want to be able to untap your lands on your next untap step. But by and when you're playing commander, you're playing with usually three other people. Mm-hmm. Someone's gonna probably have killed the dude. Most likely by the time it gets yeah. to you. <laughs> it does suck being the next one in turn order because everyone's looking to you to remove it. And it's like, cool, well, I guess I'll be the one not untapping my lens next pass turn. Pass <laughs> yeah. Oddly enough, if, even, yeah. if, even if someone taps out to kill Vorinclex, the mana that they tap to mm-hmm. uh, kill, the mana they tap to um, use to make a cast a kill spell to kill Vorinclex, that, that mana doesn't tap or untap during his next untap but, step. It has to lock part because um, the Vorinclex second part, where it says a, when an opponent taps a land, that part of the trigger, it will still see those lands and they will not untap. Yeah, but the thing is, by the time most people cast Vorinclex, most people have a decent amount of mana. So, I mean, unless you're playing like me, you're playing Ur Dragon, then you're like, oh, you know, that mana probably would have been nice, but. So, I have this weird thing with all the Praetors. Um, I've read them in decks before, and it seems like every time I get one out, uh, it leads to me dying. I, I had a game back when I had the Mimeoplasm with Vorinclex in it, and um, I cast Vorinclex, and somebody copied it. Somebody else killed it, and somebody else reanimated it. So there were two Vorinclexes, and I lost out on my Vorinclex. <laughs> so that game was just really weird. And mind you, this game had five players. Yeah, this, this is what I was, I was going to say in response to Nicole. was just like, it's bold of you to assume that they're casting this card. Uh, I, I've always experienced it getting either cheated out, reanimated. I guess, yeah. Well, something. I guess the main thing is, is like, I've never seen anyone, like, I think I've seen one person play this Bornclex and they just hard casted it. Yeah. Or, I mean, so cast- I've never seen anyone cheated out, but that's because I've only literally seen one person play this guy. I guess, like, with like, when I say cheating it out, I'm also meaning like, the Karamich Acolyte, Nick, China Nickthor, uh, was it Nickthos? Uh, I can't remember the next one I heard. Nickthos, China Nick? Yeah, Nickthos, China Nick. You know, like stuff like that. The elves, you know, Priest of Titania. That kind of cheat also. That I would include that too. Like, you're hard casting, you're sure, but you have five lands and you're casting a seven drop. So, is it really hard casting? It's kind of weird, is like. I haven't seen Vorinclex a lot oh, recently. Yeah, I mean, I play my I play my Vorinclex, but that's not this that's one. The, it's yeah, the, it's the other call, one. That's a cool one. The call but, one. Yeah, I see that one a little bit. But, but yeah, same thing. I haven't seen this one. I've seen it one time, and that's it. I've seen it a couple times. I will say, instead of Vorinclex here at number four, yeah. I think Jin, yeah, I don't think it should be as high. But I think Jinkataxis should be higher than him. Jinkataxis. God, this like discard. I don't like the Praetors, honestly. I'm on the hate. <laughs> Says the one who had two Elsh Norns on the field the last Elf time. Norns played. Good <laughs> She's doing her best. She's trying hard. She tries very hard, and she <laughs> literally couldn't do anything because everything got neck four, neck four. <laughs> but wait, was there's like, more. Dennis <laughs> was basically like neutered for the most part because he played Chatterfang, and everything he plays it would die as soon as it hit the field. <laughs> more or less. It's uh, yeah. Oh, I mean. So, question: When it comes to like Vorinclex, um, 
if you guys had a copy and you had a deck that it would slot into like perfectly, like say you're playing Muldrotha or the Mimeoplasm or, you know, any type of reanimator deck that has black so you or green so you have a way to cheat it out, would you run it? Yes. Yes. Well, why not? If it slots in, maybe. Um, I, if it was on the chopping block, I would know. I would have no qualms chopping it. Uh, if there's like, if you say reanimator, there could be better reanimator targets towards my game plan. Uh, I'm assuming this is a Golgari. It has to be at least yeah. Golgari game yeah. plan. I mean, I was thinking about possibly. Um, I don't know if I want to get rid of dinosaurs and make maybe just Zakama. And I just noticed that Zakama. This is, it's in. Like, 1,500 decks and there's a Well, we all know you'll play it because you're the spikiest one out of all of us. I'm spiky because y'all made me this way. Mm, well, you know, everyone should change, Nicole. Uh, yeah, so should y'all. <laughs> we already did. No, you didn't. You're liars. I just think that's interesting because I have met people in, in the in the past. And, um, I mean, I know of one that just has this very beautiful foil, an OG foil of Warren Clicks, and it's just sitting in a binder. And he's just he doesn't want to play it because... It's so salt-inducing. The Phyrexian, uh, the Phyrexian text one is actually pretty cheap right now. Everyone wants to pick it up. Yeah. Uh, it's relatively cheap, I guess. Not The OG foil is obviously much more, but um, they've printed... I think these this Phyrexian Secret Lair is probably the most hyped one since... I don't know. Well, one of the most, if not the most hyped Secret Lair because oh. it had boatloads of value. You had all the five freighters that could be in foil. So I think the price is somewhat low because people have bought so many of them. And like I think the supply is probably very high because I think how secret layers work is that they just print the demand. Um, how many orders is how many how many they get printed out? Yeah. Um, so pick one up. It's, if you want. it's also um, you know they have the new Phyrexian the, the the language obviously, but they also have a Phyrexian a border a frame. Yes. So that's pretty cool. Um, moving on at number five, we actually have a card in the top ten that is not common with any of the rest of them, if that makes sense. It's not doing the same thing as a lot of the other cards in the top ten, and that's expropriate. Mm-hmm. For two blue and seven mana, you have a sorcery with Council's Dilemma. It says, starting with you, each player votes for time or money. For each time vote, take an extra turn after this one. For each money vote, choose a permanent owned by the voter and gain control of it, and then you exile expropriate. Um... It's weird that it's the only extra turn spell in the top 10, but that might be because it can take permanence as well. I think it might be mainly just because, because don't people play Nimazette? Do they play Nimazette? No. Nimazette, it's more like if you copy the spell, uh, this this expounds the worst. I would say I I, I get salty about, I get, honestly, personally, I get more salty about this card than the previous four cards before it, because if it resolves, honestly, the guy who, Resolve expropriate. While he might not loot expropriate because it exiles, he'll probably in the next three turns, I assume, because most people don't like getting their permanence taken, uh, just proceed to take a very long span of three turns, which will be a long time and sometimes not win. And then they just do all that. And then that point, people just feel like scooping, okay, salt scoop. It also gives you a, um, a false illusion. Well, the illusion is not false. An illusion of um, choice, of a correct choice that is false, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. okay, so you obviously don't want to choose time because they're going to take an extra turn, so you choose money. 
so they get a permanent. There, there is no good choice. You're losing out on both. And it really, like, it's not bad if you're just sitting there and all you have is lands and they take a land. But more than likely, at nine mana, you've probably been in the game for a little while. So they're going to be grabbing something good, even if you want to keep them off those extra turns. And, I mean, it's a guarantee that they're going to get at least well, one extra turn. I then mean, you that, have, that, the, person, the person that cast it is going to choose Tom. You have 11 from the uh, Stranger Things set. Basically, like, if you... So, if, so basically, 11 says, like... Uh, whenever she attacks, you draw a card, you lose one life. Then if you have 11 or more cards in your hand, you may cast an instant or sorcery spell from your hand without paying its mana cost. Right. So, I mean, 11, it works well with that because if you're playing 11, you're probably playing a lot of draw card draw cards anyways because you want to have a big hand mm -hmm. and expropriate for free is... Actually building an 11 deck, but I don't plan on running expropriate. We do. 11 and who? It's a French forever. I just want 11. I think I just you can just run. I think you can basically just run 11 by yourself, yeah. and she's pretty good. So. You can. Yeah. Riku two reflections. He uses this card a lot. He just cast it and then copy it for just a blue and a red. Yeah. Uh, Melik, another one. If you somehow put, it, you can somehow manipulate it to the top of your deck. One of the new commanders, yeah. Jacob Hawken Inspector, is mm -hmm. actually listed as 334 decks run this card. Interesting. And then Jin Kataxis, of course. So. Um, Expropriate is not a card I like playing against. Um, if it's one I know you're running, it's something I'll actively try and either counter or remove from your deck altogether. It also it also breeds like animosity amongst your players. Because, I mean, like you cast it, and then you're like, hey, everyone vote for money. Um, and then someone's just like, I don't want my stuff taken. I'm going to vote for time. And then yeah. everyone's just like... This You're is your fault. Yeah, yeah. It's your fault. Yeah. And then, cast it. Sometimes you run into the problem where you really you really don't want someone to steal one of your creatures because like it might be the thing that's saving your yeah. <laughs> your tush right oh, now. Oh yeah, you got a boring clicks out on the field. Yeah, also, um, for all the listeners out there, just so you know, because it's Dennis and I have actually ran into this problem with a different player. Um the choice is part of the, the resolution of the spell. So if you choose money and then they target something of yours, say a creature or an artifact, and you have a way to sack it or destroy it or anything like that, you cannot do that in response because that is part of expropriate resolving. You were there that night, right, Dennis, with the, uh, mm -hmm. the guy that didn't like you slapping his cards? Oh. And Murphy cast Expropriate, and he targeted his Gorilla Shaman. I don't think I was there, but I've heard about it. Okay, maybe it was just uh, me. I think, I think we left. But basically what happened was, like, every Murphy chose time, and everyone chose money. Um, the guy had a Gorilla Shaman, so when it got around to Murphy choosing what he was going to take, he chose the Gorilla Shaman, and in response, the guy tried to activate Gorilla Shaman's ability to sacrifice it and destroy uh, an artifact on Murphy's board, which you could not do. Um, Zach was there, which I think he's a judge, so mm -hmm. he explained that, and the guy was really just arguing over it, and uh, it really kind of pissed him off, but yes, once you've moved to the point of him choosing the permanence, you cannot respond, because the spell is resolving. Oddly enough, this spell does actually does not target, um, you just say, it just says, choose a permanent owned yes. by the voter. Correct. So, it gets through Hexproof slash Shroud, um. I think all the council dilemma stuff does that. Like, uh, what's the white one? Council's judgment. judgment. Yeah. Oh, they all do. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it gets through that. Um, 
Uh, at least at the very least, it gets to it gets worse and worse the less players there are in the end of the game. Yeah, I would say I think this goes above the list on foreign clicks for me. Um, I'd much prefer to run across foreign clicks and expropriate. Personally, this goes way above everything else. I think this is tired with me for maybe even above spaces. Personally, yeah. uh, I just hate it when this card resolves. I really just every time I just resolve, I just wish I just had like Narset reversal in my hand. Say <laughs> F you or I had Cropper or I, I just tell everyone. Uh, I have crop rotation in the homeward path, and everyone just picks some. What's the t- the steel one? Uh, money. Money. Does everyone pick money? Yeah. All this um, in response crop rotation. <laughs> also, I path. mean, if they're running expropriate, you could probably guarantee that they're running other uh, extra turn spells. Yeah. Perhaps, but extra other extra turn spells, I believe, are fair. Um, you could I mean, argue you're, next. You're, you're not wrong, but what I'm saying is, like, you know, they cast expropriate, they get an extra turn, or they get two extra turns, or even more. I mean, there's a good chance they're going to draw into more extra turn spells and then cast. Those. Yeah. Uh, but to the next one. Oh boy. Uh, who's, 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 who's introducing? Okay, so we got classic good old Armageddon. Uh, three and a white sorcery. Destroy all lands. Yeah, well, um, that's <laughs> a short one. Destroy all lands. Uh, I think um, I, this is the whole mass land destruction is uh, frowned upon, you know, boogeyman of the, the format. Uh, I, I guess generally people just don't like their lands being touched because if you just blow all the lands, everyone's just stuck around. It's like the phage. This is a bad touch. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a bad home. Um, I feel like the next like few that we're going to talk about all have the same. Yeah, I mean, we might is, lump them together. Yeah, I mean, it's actually you're. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, they, a lot of them just are the same card, but. I mean, the next well, one's a little different. Uh, Armageddon and Ravages of War. So mm-hmm. Armageddon is um, number six, and Ravages of War is number eight. Uh, it's kind of like the the Winter Orb and Static Orb. Like they really should just be lumped together. I mean, they literally are the same card. Yeah, yeah, it's the same mana cost, same exact short text, destroy all lands. Yeah, they're both sorceries. Yeah. Um, one is drastically more expensive than the other. Yes, that, that's <laughs> the difference. It's like the one land destruction I don't have because it's so expensive. Is it worth it, though? Is that, no, it's 200, not. It's $231 for, an Arbor, for a second Armageddon copy. Yeah. So, Nicole, I mean, you're the only one out of the, the playgroup that has a land destruction deck. Uh how does that make you feel? I mean, like... I mean... Uh, what, <laughs> how does it make you feel to be such a sleazeball? Yeah, not, not, that's not what I'm saying. Like, when you're playing the game, I mean, you know it pisses I mean, people off. I mean, you see it. I mean, I only play my land destruction deck, really, if I am if I know I'm playing against other relatively high-powered decks. Like, I wouldn't play against your Brea deck because you have plenty of mana rocks. It really wouldn't benefit me to blow up You played lands. it against my... My Brea deck. I, I did, and... I just got a snaring bridge out. And it did nasty things to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, and that's that's the thing, is, like, I... It's one of those decks that you can only play it, like, once for the night, yeah. and then you have to put it away because everyone knows what it does. You become the target. No one wants you to cast your commander. Yeah. And I play uh, Belmachus, so he's already pretty expensive. I mean, I've gotten him out twice on turn two, but you just Jesus. have to be super lucky. Like, you have to get Jeweled Lotus, Mana Crypt, and a land. Why is it Jeweled Lotus in the top 10? I don't know. Yeah, I'm actually people, kind of surprised I think that. the issue is that um, a lot of the salty cards are 
um, putting, car- you from- putting opponents yeah. down rather than propping yourself up. Jeweled Lotus is a propping yourself it's up not even, kind of card. I don't even yeah, it, top Jeweled Lotus is not even. Jeweled the top Lotus is a propping yourself up kind of card. I do think the card is a bit pushed, um, but I do think I think I, I really think the reason why Jeweled Lotus isn't is because like um, <laughs> one thing, it's relatively relatively new. Uh, the other thing is like there are some people who play Commander and they have a Commander, but they're only using the Commander for the color pips and they're not actually planning to cast their commander. Like sometimes the commanders never ever come out. <laughs> I see that more in like CDH, but because they don't necessarily need their commanders out for some decks. So yeah. but it's really weird how that shifted because CDH used to be like really focused on commanders. I mean you you had stuff that just like had no playability because I mean, it didn't offer card advantage, or it didn't it wasn't a combo piece. Yeah. And now it's just like, oh, is your commander blue and black? Yeah, cool. You don't even need to cast. Uh, literally, <laughs> okay. I know this is off topic, but literally, the first time I played CEDH, I played against a guy who had the stupid, you know, fast as Oracle, all the, you know, the combo that everyone plays in CEDH right now. Um, I literally killed him first because I didn't because everyone else was not running that combo. I he was my number one target, and I was going to destroy him Hopefully because so. i hate that combo because everyone plays it <laughs> cheap efficient easy to do three man three man yeah i mean and it's super like it's fast like they do it and unless you somehow magically have the answer like you can't stop it so yeah, i i believe both of those cards should be in the top 10 um, I think Thassa's Oracle's up there. Demonic Consultation is not. Yeah. Uh, slash Chain Effect is not either. I think it's... Chain like, Effect. Yeah. It's harder to build around just because of the mana base. So. Yeah. Anyways, like, I, much, I much mean... harder. I mean, Land Destruction is a double-edged sword because Land Destruction also affects you as a player, too. So if in response to your spell, someone kills your commander, well, everyone's starting from ground zero. So, so. I, I mean, to be honest, I think a lot of the stuff we're seeing... Um, in the top 10, you know, with our, our stasis and orbs and then our land destructions, I would imagine based off of what they do and what I've seen players do with them, I would think that they're in the top 10 just due to the fact that you probably have players casting them and losing all their resources along with it. Yeah. So it's basically, you've been sitting in this game for, you know, 30, 40 minutes some player casts all this stuff, and you're basically at, at turn one again. I'm actually kind of surprised that Psychrip isn't up here higher because a lot of people get salty when you play Psychrip. It's pretty they close. Don't want to start the game. Psychrip like, is pretty close. I really think it should be higher. Like Decree of Annihilation. I am the only human being that I that out of all the people I've played, I'm the only person I've ever seen try to run Decree of Annihilation. Uh, I tried to running in Gavi, but it was super clunky. So oh, yeah. Okay. It's clunky as all get out. Um, I mean, I've never... I've cast Decree for the cycling cost, because that's the whole point of my deck is to destroy lands when I can. Mm-hmm. So I have the advantage. But I've never actually cast it for its main cost, which is removing all artifacts, creatures, lands, graveyards, and hands from the game. Because yeah. that is just kind of... Uh, I mean, unless you got Fairy's Protection... <laughs> Uh, I mean that's that's classic play for you two is destroy all TP lands. TP in the hand. <laughs> I think uh, mass land destruction takes salt score five through ten, right? It is Armageddon, Jokel hops, Ravages of War, Obliterate, and Decree of Annihilation. I believe that's five through ten. Uh, it's six through ten. Sorry, six through ten. But my point still stands. I think uh, if they did a new vote, uh, like right now they just did it, I think Farewell would be up here. 
Really? Yeah. I've not experienced that card yet. I, no, I did just a little while ago, <laughs> but you know, yeah, I mean, with wandering archaic out, yeah, I think, so. think farewell would be up there if it also exiled lands. Oh, farewell would not be printed if it exiled lands. I think I think farewell is kind of like it's next mass removal from white. It is probably a strong a pip up like in terms of how strong it is. Um, I don't think people would find it super salty and that in that mass board removals are generally needed in the, in, in the game to just help keep things in check. Um, granted, if games are just board removal, board wipe over board wipe for board wipe, at that point you get people just um, looking at their phones or playing Hearthstone or something like that. But, um, number nine on the, the, the list is Obliterate. And um, the thing I don't like about this card is the fact it can't be countered. <laughs> I mean, I get, you know, for eight mana, it's like, oh, you, you know, you're spending a lot of your resources. Yeah, but something I feel that is that powerful, it, it should, you should be able to counter it. My problem with it is that, like, I mean, I don't run it because it's an expensive mana cost, and I don't usually have Velomachus at eight power. So, because usually when Velomachus gets a sword, the sword gets destroyed. So, that, anyways, I mean, I don't like the fact that you're destroying, like, everything. Yeah. Like, absolutely everything. Well, yeah, that and it can't be countered. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, but once again, if it can't be countered, of course, they're not going to counter it, but they're holding up a, a counter spell, and you try to fairies protection, they're going to counter your fairies protection, and then everyone just starts over, and it's just not fun for anyone. This might just be the blue player in me talking, but I don't think spells should be um, non-counterable. I, think it's a I mean, is I it think a Brunt Decay? Is a Brunt Decay the one that's camping yes. counter? Yeah, I, yeah. I think that one's fine. Well, because so here's my thing. thing. So here's my thing. Um, they would be okay if if things like um, delay could still hit them. Like, yes, you're delaying it, so it's going to come back down in a couple turns. But delay's wording is very specific in that it says counter that spell. If it is countered this way, exile it with it's is it two or three? Three. Three suspend counters. Three suspend counters. So the spell has to be able to be countered. Yeah. Otherwise it doesn't work. I mean, in this situation, I think it's what? Vincer Bust? Uh-huh. Um, there is a Holebreaker Horror, a couple other things that exile spells rather than counter spells or balance spells back to the oh, hand. Yeah, there's uh, the Ashy um, enchantment from the Set. Or you have um and spells that end the turn. They tend to all be yeah. blue. This tends to be like blue. Thing. But I mean, it's it's huge workarounds to counter these non-counterable spells. I think there are a few and far between. If you ask me, from what I I've mean, seen, you're on, fair. seen on this list, it's just more like EDH games last pretty long. They're yeah. pretty long games, and when, like when you play like, like cards like these, it's just extends that game even longer we just top but deck it, and top yeah. deck and top yeah. deck and it's yeah either like the, it's either like one players just can still play and the rest just have to watch him i think yeah when i when i play land destruction if i'm going to destroy everyone's lands i have to be in a pretty good place and if anyone's playing blue i literally have to sit there and wait and see if they're going to tap out or and that's when I make the decision, I don't just go willy nilly trying to blow up everyone's I land. Got to make a good choice. Caveat with mainland destruction, or even like the obliterate ones where they destroy all the creatures and artifacts, is that the active player casting this in response to Armageddon or whatever MLD spell resolving um, taps all their lands, floats all their mana, um, 
cast the rest of their spells, or in the case of everything getting blown up, recast your commander and maybe try to pick up the game from there. And everyone else is just stuck um, drawing cards and just saying go. Also, so this might be a hot take, but something I hear a lot with things like Winter Orb and um, Mass Land Destruction is I'm okay with it as long as you win the game on your next turn. Yeah. Okay, that's stupid in my opinion. If they were going to win the game on their next turn, more than likely they wouldn't need that card. Now what I would say to go in line with that is I'm okay with you playing this as long as you're still going to be actively playing. Don't play this and shut the whole table down, including yourself, from doing anything. Mm-hmm. Don't sit there and destroy all the creatures, all the lands, all the artifacts, and have nothing to play off the back of it. Yeah, I'd rather have the game end than rather just stretch a game yeah. and be like, painful. Yeah, like yeah. I, don't, I, don't, I don't expect someone to cast Jocko Hops or Obliterate and then win on the next turn because, I mean, the thing is, it's like, if you can win after that, you probably didn't need that in the first place. You could be running other things. Well, the way I see it is like with the land destruction, I see that point. But like the creature, like you know, say you give a creature indestructible, and then you like destroy a creature's lands, yeah. and see that was the only one you had. Yeah, it was like I see that because it's like okay, it's kind of just like the cyclonic room thing. You know, like, I everyone pick up your stuff. I'm gonna attack and kill everybody. Yeah. I'm okay with that. Yeah, but like the whole like I'm the Armageddon and went next turn. What is it, like sure they can't count your stuff? I guess. Yeah. I, I, like whatever. Yeah. I mean, you know, just I, I could see that point yeah. of view, but it's like just do that and then attack. Yeah, do, like cast Armageddon and then you're winning spell. Mm-hmm. That way, it's like or it's just to put your put yourself in that position to progress forwards to get to that win. Like, um, you know, uh, what is it, World Shaper? That when it dies, you get all your lands back. Yeah, cast Obliterate with that on the battlefield. Good lord. That's cool. You got all your lands back. You screwed everyone else, and it's probably going to piss them off. That's a scoop. But at least you're working towards that win. You may not have it on your next turn, but you, you're still moving forward. You're not just like, oh, well, we're all on turn one again after we've been sitting here for an hour and a half. I think I really ran into that problem one time where I did blow up everyone's lands, and then someone killed Velomachus, and we had to start all the way over when we could have just ended the game. Yeah, I, I'll <laughs> say this. Um, I'm not gonna ever do that. Like, I might be pissed that you destroyed all my my stuff, but okay. if I have a way to yeah. kill your Velomachus, but nothing else is going on, I'm not gonna kill your Velomachus. Yeah, because that literally <laughs> just like bring like I get that it. That would you be don't dying wanna... to two two Brago beats because he has yeah. nothing else going. Two four on. Brago. <laughs> that's like that's the thing. Like once again, I don't just destroy lands willy nilly. I you know make sure I'm set up to do it correctly. With Velomachus ending up still being on the board. And then, like, once that happens, I mean, if you really want to keep playing, we can keep playing. Like, usually, like, elves and goblins can are fine. Like, little one-drop guys, they usually are perfectly fine. But most decks just kind of really suffer from that. So, so out of the top ten, is there any one or more cards that you guys think should be either not on the list or further down the list? I believe Warnclex. That's just my opinion. I agree. I mean, have to be careful with consideration. Warcraft shouldn't be up there. Yeah, I would say, what, probably top 20? I feel like Urza should move up. Urza's pretty salty. I mean, (laughs) he's number 12. I think his position's okay. My my main thing with the list currently is, like, we're eating up, what, that's five, eight slots? With the same effect. (laughs) With the same effect. 
Man, but I mean, it is a top 100 list, and we're only looking at the top 10. Um, I mean, it's a salty list. Like, what makes players a salty list? Yeah. Well, I'm losing my crap. That's, that pisses me off. Uh, one that's further down the list that I think is interesting is uh, Nether Void. And the reason I find that interesting is I can see why it's a salty card, but it's also $1,300. So how often are you running into it? Uh, Not often. I think, if I, if I recall, 10... Tabernacle of Pendervale is also up there. Yeah. And that is a $3,600 card. Yeah, neither of which I have ever played against. Uh, if, if, honestly, if Netherboard was a lot, if Netherboard was $0, I could see I could see that's where I'd play it. Yeah. You can establish a lock on the board. I have never seen this card. Thieves Auction? Oh, I have never <laughs> seen this I hate, card. I hate cards and like that. I, for me, I, I like weird, sh- you know, shit like that. Dennis hates it. So anytime I want to put weird shit in my deck like that, he's like, hell no, you're not putting that in your deck. No, but I, I mean, like I love chaos like that. I mean, that's the whole reason why I like chaos drafting is because I like the no, ridiculousness. No, chaos draft is fine. Um, <laughs> scrambling everyone's cards around. And, Thieves and, auction seems great, though. Some stranger accidentally <laughs> takes your card home. It's yeah, like, yeah. It's like yeah. mine and fury. No, it's like, Thieves auction is, is a fine card to play when everyone's playing below $100. <laughs> Yeah, it's fine to play when, like, if you're not playing with strangers, you're playing with friends. That you trust will give back your card, not just some random kid who will. Oh, Manicrypt. Yeah, this is a slide that back in my deck. Accidentally, quote unquote, take your take your like expensive card. Someone's eating Cheetos and picks up your guy's card. Yeah. Is this real? Just unsleeves it. Oh. That's my. World's not further down the list from Thieves Auction. Yeah, that's why I thought. That's another one that's just like. Why? If it was easier to resolve, sure. But it's just like, we're just going to be sitting here forever. Just put Counterspell in the top 10. Okay. <laughs> I'm actually, I, I do think that Drain of Magistrate is a good one to be on the salty cards. Because in uh, yeah. Commander, you need your Commander. And if you play the uh, there's purposes. been like quite a bit of conversation about that card on Twitter in the last, I think, week and a half. What about banning? Uh, well, wanting it banned. I don't think it's I that don't, bad. But it's a I think creature. It's... You can kill it. Like... I think there are better options for banning, like, personally, a- but I wouldn't ban Drain of Magistrate. I mean, yeah, it sucks to not be able to cast your commander, but... Banning cards is a whole different podcast. It's yeah. a whole different podcast. I'll have to go, like, go over that sometime. But... All right. Acid Rain is also on here, which is kind of weird, because all it does is destroy sports. Well, for $230. Um... Uh, make your own Armageddon if you want to go Maya and ask her. <laughs> um, do you guys have, I guess, any honorable mentions that you guys think should be on the ban list? I mean, salt list? Not. I have two, but... That should be in the top 100? One was the aforementioned... What, well, well, let's see if we can go in order. Denisovich? I... Top, and, and that's not within the that's top one? Well, yeah, that's not within the top one. I mean, just anything off your head. I mean, you seem to be pretty chill with just about anything. I think most cards I tend to be okay with. Expropriate is an infuriating card. He's fine with anything. He's just going to win. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> what I, that's what I started. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you've never played with Dennis. Dennis is the type of person who touches a deck and then makes it god tier. Even, <laughs> even against like Elish Norn, which. Elish Norn, like a lot of my a lot of my decks do die to Elish Norn. I mean, if if it, if I see it coming, it's she's in decks, the top one hundred. Decks though. need decks need their um decks do need their weaknesses, and then like if I happen to go against a deck that has the paper to my rock, then well, then, then that happens. Uh, Holbreacher was one where it's incredibly annoying, but that one's banned. Yeah, well, deserved to be banned. Not not I mean, in my yeah, that, that one deserved to be banned. So I don't really have anything else much else besides that. Mm-hmm. I, I think.
think for the most part, cards are cards and um, expropriates the lily. Nothing's a there. problem for Dennis. He just wins anyways. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh, what about you, Miller? Okay. I'm going to take off the aforementioned farewell. It's not that busted. It's not a busted card. I'm just, uh, it's probably it's, just that you've just, been getting it shoved down your <laughs> throat because it's a new card. Getting shoved down my throat. Frank Sanity. Uh, the other day I was playing Commander. First game, doing well, playing short pack. Doing great. Uh, and she kept, well, someone casts Frank Sanity targeting me. And if you know what Frank Sanity does, it's two in a blue enchantment or a curse. Enchant player at the beginning of each end step. Enchant player puts top X cards of her card library into his or her graveyard, where X is the number of cards put into that graveyard from anywhere this turn. What what commander would you claim? We'll draw. Oh. With a secret commander of Finex. So, oh, that's that sounds interesting. It was that like she had like the crabs, you know. The crabs. The, yeah, she yeah. had scabies. She had, like, she had the oh, wolf no. mill crabs and the the two starfish. One surveil, one scry. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, your dick's just see through surprise. So it smells a little fishy in here. Yeah, and uh, sorry, those were my pants. <laughs> <laughs> um. Anyway, so I, I'm like, I can play around this. I. What's that card called? Short guy with like you copy or something. It's an art. It's a, but it's a vehicle. I'm trying to remember. Um, I just played it earlier. I know. I just <laughs> can't do my blank on. Anyway, I copied Mold- uh, Moldrata. So I'm like, I'm gonna turn this into my advantage. I'm gonna win the game. Uh, that did not matter. So I, I was like, oh, I'm getting kind of low on cards. I'm gonna destroy Frank Sanity. And then me, being an idiot, realized that Moldrata and just cast it again. And she was decided that, well, you're my target, Andrew. You're going to get milled. You're going to lose the game. And The card you were looking for is Imposter Mech. Imposter Mech. Busted card. Play it if you're not playing. But yeah, I, two games, the two games I played on a Saturday. Hold on. Let me, let me stop you there. It's, I wouldn't say it's busted. If you're playing a vehicle deck, play it. I, just, I think I don't... it's good no matter what. Is better if you're playing. I guess I mean. Well, it it's a it's a two drop, isn't it? Yeah, it's a two drop. It's better than Fatal's one, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I guess yeah. Yeah, I, I think it's just a good card. Blue. Well, you're not wrong. Depending on what you think, I guess. But uh, yeah, Frank Sanity. Hate that card. Mill sucks. Don't play it. Don't be a weirdo. I wanted to build the mill deck, but Dennis is like, uh, mill helps a lot of people in command. It really does. So that is the hardest. Game. The hardest part. This is a dangerous game to mill. It, Hashtag why Umbris got taken apart. It was a, yeah, it, it can very much backfire. Actually, I think it backfired more often than not. But yeah, that's if you played against me. I'm just like, oh, well, thank you for refilling my second hand. I thought that. I thought it was Moldrata too. I got fucking idiots, but what you fast. What about you, Nicole? I mean, personally, like, I don't think this card, it's just, it's salt inducing for me. Uh huh. And it's probably self-inducing for others who've been around it. But I personally don't like Brago, or Brago, however you mm-hmm. want to call his name. I personally don't like him just because he is so easily built as such a, I'm, I'm going to call it a toxic commander. Like, just where you just, most people build him to be toxic. Like, I mean, but that's blue-white in general. It's relatively that way. So <laughs> I think that's a hot take. Yeah. Blue-white player, you're a toxic player. I mean, you have a point. Um, even if you tend to go the more casual route with Brago, um, I think at some point 
you may start straying towards that. I mean, that, that's, that's I, I think he's meant to be that way. Yeah. That is just like, they, I mean, they probably didn't, you know, create the card to be that way. It's just, that is just how he is. Like, it, it doesn't help that EDH Rec also has, like, most of the most popular cards are the backbreaking stats. Yeah. Cards. And I mean, a lot of people, you know, especially those who are new to Commander and see him and they go, oh, I want to build that deck. A lot of them look online and look at the cards and that's how they build it. And it's, the most popular ones are usually the ones that aren't as fun to play against. Yeah. That's what turned like when I first started playing Magic and I was like, I'm done with the last show I want to build Braga. Like I went to EDA trick because I was like, I want to flicker stuff. I want to flicker this uh one two that draws me a card. I want to do that a bunch of times. And then I was like, oh it's my ecstatic orb and stasis. And I was my like, okay. my other one would be, I mean, Underworld Breach, just because like just because that's the card everyone plays. Yeah. In CEDH. Like, I mean, there's other pieces to it, but it's yeah. such an annoying freaking card. I mean, the other pieces don't work without it. Yeah. Thoughts is a workable. It's already on top of it. Yeah, yeah. Thoughts is already <laughs> in there. That's why I'm kind of, I'm actually surprised Underworld's not in there. Because, right. I, but I mean, once again, uh, maybe it'll get in there next time they vote, just because. When you play CDH, a lot of people are playing that card. Well, it's the it's the piece. That's the thing. EDH rec counts usually. Most people who play who submit on the EDH rec tend to be like midish, casualish, yeah. not CDH level players. Yeah. Well, because most CDH level players are playing that combo, and yeah. so, so that's why Underworld Breach isn't there and hasn't been there for 2020 or 2021, where Underworld Breach is almost two years old at this point. Uh, people, I guess. Do play static orb, winter orb, and stacks effects and mass line destructions at a non CDH level, um, which could just yeah, uh, that just causes like solve yeah. hurt them. I'm just the, them I'm just the type of person who likes creativity. I don't like to go to an event and see out of the thirty people, twenty people playing the same deck, yeah, with that's, the same combo. Yeah. Like that's it's boring because you know exactly what they're gonna do, that, and then they get mad at you when you target them, and you go uh. You're the one over here playing this combo yeah. piece. I'm going to wipe you off the board. <laughs> that, that, that's a fair assessment. I mean, that for me, that was ultimately like why I stopped playing CDH because it was it was yes, you may be playing a different commander than the person sitting next to you, but more than likely, like ninety eight percent positive that you're yeah. running the same win con. Like mm-hmm. like Dennis played the one guy who played Cody. Mm-hmm. It's the same combo. Yeah, he was playing Cody, yeah, but was Cody, they playing the pieces. I, I will say this: that guy earned that win. Yeah, I mean, there, what we all three had interaction for that game, didn't we? And he still I, I know I did, and I think you did. I, I did. I, I I tapped out for Dranth Magistrate, which I thought was the correct play. Okay, which I yeah. think it was. It stopped him from like playing Cody. Yeah, but he had enough mana to get out ad nauseum, and well. Yeah, I think Ad Nauseam wins games more than Cody does. <laughs> Anyways, those, those are my two, and it's, you know, one's based off CDH, the other one's just based off of, you know, the time I was hurt by <laughs> Dennis so many times. I gotta say, for me, um, a, a big thing I, I don't like um, is the Locust God. Uh, the reason I don't like the Locust God is... Um, you just really get rewarded for just playing the game, I guess. It kind of has like the the shoe lane effect. With I believe shoe lane is on this list. Um, he is. I saw. I mean, he just they they both greatly benefit from just doing what you're supposed to be doing for the game. I mean, you get one, you get you are given a draw step 
every turn. Yeah. That that's a one one flying bug. Um, plus he's in blue and red, so like he has all the wheels available to him, all the little ponders and preordains. But on top of that, he, him, him and a lot of the other, um, well, all of the other Amonkhet gods, or the, the Grixis ones, and then I think the zombie ones from uh, War, mm-hmm. they get past um, removal spells really well. I mean, they, they, they get returned to your hand, or they get put back on top of your library. And for me, that can be very frustrating, because... I always feel like I get put in this position of like if someone's playing the Locust God that I have two choices. I ignore him and let him do what he wants and more than likely he's going to win the game or I target him with everything and I either make the game unfun for him or he just kicks my teeth in right out the door because I'm literally targeting him with everything. Um, So for me, I, I don't really care for commanders that really just give you these like massive benefits for doing what you're supposed to be doing anyways i mean i played i played chulain and i had a lot of fun with it um but i I won't deny i mean like you you cast a creature you get to draw a card i mean that's ridiculous i think chulain was pretty pushed (laughs) yeah yeah Uh, the locust guy everyone's like oh well he's six mana i'm like yeah but if i kill him you let him go to your graveyard and he just comes back to your hand and you cast him for six again I'm like he 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 kind of has that Derevi effect of getting around commander tags. It's like have exile or bust. Yeah. Yeah. I mean the the ability to just like you know it goes third from the top or to your hand. Yeah. Like that's that's such a good ability. But to be able to play that creature as a commander and for it to be a good commander mm-hmm. is just like. Yeah, and I, and I also I mean I started around um, Kaladesh so. Um, our and a monkey were like the next sets, I believe. I believe so. After Kaladesh, yeah. Kaladesh block. Yeah. So I, I saw a lot of the Locust God. I mean, he was everywhere. Um, our friend Pete, he built the deck, um, and I actually played against it two weeks ago, a week ago, something like that. Um, two weeks, I think. And I told him I was like, um, "You go ahead and play it." I was like, "I'll play you." Um, but if you want to play it again, I'll probably just sit that game out. I was like, I'm not going to bash you for playing the Locust God. It was just, it was one of those talks where I'm like, hey, this is not a card I like playing against. If it was in the 99, it wouldn't be so bad. It's, you know, I might we might go a game without ever actually seeing it. But having it as the commander is always going to be there. And again, it was, you know, a lot of what I said. It was, hey, I'm going to target you with all my stuff. I didn't have enough stuff, so I got my teeth kicked in. So it was very much one of those um, games where it's like, hey, I didn't really have a whole lot of fun, but I, I was willing to um, at least try. On the other hand, Scorpion God, if you if you want a Scorpion God, props to you, because that one is much harder to make, to make work. <laughs> yeah, the, the Locust God is another one. Um, Scar- that one... Just what, you mean yeah, Scarab God? Or Scarab yeah, God. Scarab God, sorry. Um, Scarab both God. of those were two commanders I've seen a lot of. I've seen a lot of people trying to make the Scorpion God work, but not really ever getting there. Yeah, the first time I played against Scarab God, we went to Kansas City. Was it Kansas City, a GP? Yeah. Yes. Okay, we went there, and I was playing. We did a, a commander thing or whatever, and I my first table was like Doretti, Scarab God, and uh, 
someone else. And then I was playing Gashaft because at that time I only had, I think, two decks. It was either dragons or dinosaurs. Yeah. So, you know, my playing field was very different from everyone else's. And, you know, everyone was like, oh, dinosaurs. We got to kill the dinosaur lady. I was like, ah, y'all are messing up. We, you should be going after the Scarab God. I think Scarab And sure enough, he destroyed everybody. He doesn't seem as powerful to me as the Locust God. Um, he's definitely capable of doing more powerful things, but just like he really relies on his activated ability of bringing um, zombies out. I mean, obviously, you can fill the deck with zombies and you get his upkeep ability, but the Locust God is just like, you just have a turn and you're already benefiting. Yeah. Scarab God, I do think, um, especially with Midnight Hunt, faces more set competition as a blue-black zombie commander. Yeah. Uh, well, even before Midnight Hunt, there are other blue-black zombie commanders like Gisa and Geralt, but with the advent of Midnight Hunt, you could he he might I, I think he's just sharing the spotlight. Let's just put it yeah. like that. So I think when it comes to the the list, something that would be cool to see is um definitely lumping a lot of these cards that do kind of the same thing if they're kind of close in, in spots like um you know further down the list there's uh, a blue card that, uh embargo. I mean it does the same thing as um stasis. But it's four drop, and you lose two life at the beginning of your upkeep. Um, but it's way further down the list, and it's probably because it costs um, a bit more mana, and it, and it's just non land permanents rather than everything. Um, so something like that, I, I could see having two different spots on the list. But it's like the last five of the top ten all being land destruction spells. It's like it would be a lot cooler just to see those kind of lumped together. Like you know, maybe they have spot number seven these four cards they all do the same thing um i think it'd be cooler to see more diversity on the list mm. that would be interesting but i don't think i've ever participated in one of these <laughs> no, no i haven't no but i haven't either you ever run into one of these salty cards just tell the game tell the person playing it you know hey that card no one really had fun when you played it I'd probably not play it again. Or yeah. Not play with you, you know? yeah, yeah. I mean, and if they want to get pissy about it, simply put, I mean, okay, cool. I'll go play somewhere else. Yeah. <laughs> All right. But I, I think that wraps up our top 10 salty card conversation. Um, now on to a powerful magic experience. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, think, I think I'm going to go with uh, a pretty, I want to say old, probably like a, a few months ago, we went to like, all four of us went to Kansas City for an EDH turn. Yeah, and I brought only I only had two decks. One of them was like a where all my money was. <laughs> the other one, though, this was the the dark horse, if you will. Um, emphasis emphasis on the dark part. Uh, this was Kenrith, but mono black. I was only playing black cards, and I had a one blue card. Do you want to count it? Just blue, Phyrexian Metamorph, and. I had Nicole in my pot who was playing the Ur Dragon. We had, I think, uh, Scion of the Ur Dragon as well. Mm-hmm. And then I, the last player was playing Archangel Addison, right? Yeah, 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 I think I so. I think so. Oh, um, yeah. And, and he was just... Stuffy Doll Tribal. Stuffy Doll Tribal, yeah. And uh, basically, you know, I, I was missing land drops because I'm model black and the deck was poorly built. That's, that's <laughs> what I do. Um, well, if I remember correctly, that wasn't even assembled up until like five minutes before. Yeah, it was. I found a trick. I found a couple cards. I was like, you know what? Let's just try it. Um, so and, props to you. <laughs> yeah, so, um, 
basically what happened, the game was just going on, you know, I, I'm not doing anything, so no one's not going to hurt me. Um, and then all of a sudden, I start, I'm able to cast uh, Kinrith. And cast Kinrith, I cast a tomb. I think I started with Burning Root Demon, uh, who basically puts a card in my hand, one in the graveyard, and in a reanimator-style deck, that's busted. Yeah. Um, so then I get Soar of Discord, which is a demon that when there's a battlefield, you choose two players. And when one of the players takes damage, the other one also takes damage. Or, sorry, if one takes damage, the other one loses life. Okay. That way it's not, you can't copy it in basically infinite. Yeah. Um, and so what had happened was, you know, I was just kind of like, hey, don't attack me or you're going to lose life kind of thing. Um, and they were just like, I was able to like talk to Nicole because she was the, the powerhouse of the table at the time with <laughs> all the dragons. Dragons, dragons rule. Dragons go burn. <laughs> and, yeah. and I was like, hey, if you attack him and, ki- and kill him, that's two for one. You know, I was just saying, you know, don't have to worry about me. And then I cast Rex and Memoir, copying Sora Discord and targeted the same people. Uh, basically, no, I targeted you and yeah, someone. Yeah, and somebody else. So I was like, basically, if you attack this one person, you kill two people or kill three people. <laughs> It was just a hilarious experience where I was just like, don't, don't bother me, I'm not doing anything. Uh, and then all of a sudden, just, well, if you kill this guy, you kill each other. You know, it's, it's pretty fun. Uh, I ended up getting second in that game because I uh, bowed down to the power of dragons. <laughs> but I just thought it was hilarious the whole time. You know? Yeah, I mean, it was a good, it was a good play for sure. Um, because, I mean, who doesn't like cards that tie opponent's life totals together basically so that night really had i don't know about for you guys but for me like it had some ups and it had some downs like i had some really good games and then i had some other games I, just like why do i even play this? i literally like yeah like i started with probably my weaker decks and then built up to my uh-huh. more high power but like zach zara did some ridiculous bullshit that i've never seen zach zara do i had like a Two million, two million Hydra, and Jesus. then a two million, two million Hydra token, <laughs> Jesus. and then it got plus X plus X because of how many, because because uh, of yeah. that. So it was like a four million, four million. All my creatures had four million, four, and I would just like murdered everybody. It was great. Yeah, uh, I got to um, showcase Gavi ETBs. One, one, one. My game with that, I think. You borrowed it in one with yeah. it as well, so that was a good showing for it. And then I, you know, I thought I was just gonna hose the table to Brea, and then that deck was just like, "No, nah, we're not gonna draw lands." Yeah, it is what it is. Yeah. So um, with that, that kind of wraps up the episode. Um, if you guys want to reach out to us, you can find us at Pondering Mages on Twitter. Um, our DMs are always open. Um, the links to our personal Twitter accounts will also be in the bio if you want to reach out to us personally. Um, and other than that, I guess we'll see you guys next time.